time I preach this word today that the Lord has placed on my heart for three weeks now, we've been talking about, about sex. And in week one, we talked about God's plan for sex. We talked about how God had a purpose for sex, and it was within the context of marriage, the sanctuary of marriage. And so we named it Sex in the Sanctuary, not the church, praise God. Uh, the sex is for the marriage bed. But in the sanctuary of marriage is the way that God designed sex to work in its fullest capacity. And the first and foremost reason God created sex, we talked about it, was procreation. The second one all the men loved was recreation. And the third one was imitation or representation of who God was and the two becoming one, amen, and our oneness with the Father. As Jesus said, as you and I are one Father, let us be one with them in in John chapter 17. And so I want to talk to you today, and the week after that we talked about the bad part about sex, sexual immorality. And then we talked last week about surviving singlehood, and I gave you a lifetime plan of how to prepare yourself while you are waiting for the person God has for you, amen? And how to wait with patience, praise God. But this week, I want to talk to the married people. I want to talk to, I want to, talk to you on a sermon that I've entitled, The Promise of Purity. The Promise of Purity. And, and here's the good part. This is aimed at married people, but all you folks who are not married, you should take some notes today so that you can be prepared for what we call married life. Married life. And the whole church said amen. I know it's every single person's dream, or most single people, except for those people who only need God, and they're good, and they're always going to be single. Except for those people, it's everybody's dream to get married. And here's the thing. Christians don't have a lot to look forward to the way the old church used to preach. It's like either Jesus is coming or you're going to have a family, one or the other. There's no in between. Either Jesus is coming or you're going to get married and have kids. And so you all hope that you get married. You all hope that you have a family and you have kids. And your hope is you meet the love of your life. You have a fairy tale wedding and live happily ever after having hot, wild, marital sex. But any married person knows that's not how marriage works. And it's okay, married people. You can laugh today. It's all right. Because we know that we know that in marriage, when things get real busy, the, one of the first things to go is intimacy. It's sex. It's one of the first things that, that we we just we just you know don't have time for. If we're honest, it's really tough to live pure while single. But here's a truth you might not know, and that married people might not tell you: it's harder to live pure while married than it is to live pure while you're single because now there's other people and there's more collateral damage around you if you do fall. Oh, I wish I had a witness today. It it may sound amusing to you that you have this picture that you're going to have a great marriage and maybe you will and I pray you will and most of you do, but it's not going to be centered around sex. A lot of Christian young adults get married for sex and that's not the reason to marry. Now, don't get me wrong, Paul did say in 1 Corinthians 7, if you have so much passion, that's a a really PG way of putting it, and you can't control yourself, then in order to not fall into sin, you should get married. If you're going to fall into sin, then get married. 
But I can guarantee you something. I can guarantee you something. To some women, it might be funny that men might want sex so much, and it might be funny that in our mindsets, we think that marriage is going to be one big happy time of sex. It may sound amusing, but the harsh part is that when we find out in marriage that it's not that way, you tend to look other places to find the desire or fulfill the very desire that you have. If we're honest, it's tough to live pure while married. So we go into marriage with this mindset that, that our issues and our struggles of sexual immorality will either diminish or completely go away after marriage. And, and now you're just having guilt-free sex with your wife, so everything's going to be okay. But that is the furthest thing from the truth. I wish I had a witness today. That is when the enemy comes in the hardest at your life against you is when you come into the holy covenant of marriage. And so what do we do? What's the promise of being pure in marriage? The problem with the mindset of of, of sexual immorality and temptation being solved by marriage is that it is a beautiful lie. That if you get married, it'll solve your problem. Many, Many young adults, you want to get married because you keep falling into sin, but that is not the answer for you. The answer is a reliance on the Spirit of God to withdraw from sin because the sin you have before you're married you're going to have it after you're married in a different capacity Satan will find a way into your life if you don't eradicate it before you will carry it into your marriage let me tell you something purity is not about virginity purity you hear that word in church pertaining a lot to to virginity but purity is defined in this capacity to be free from adulteration or contamination, freedom from immorality, especially of a sexual nature. Oftentimes you you mention purity and it's perceived as virginity. So many people think, well, I can't be pure because I'm not a virgin. I fell prey to the works of Satan in my life. But that's not what purity means. Purity means to be free from sexual immorality. Remember I told you morality is the ability to choose right over wrong. So immorality is the inability, being unable to choose right things before God. And so purity is is when you are free from immorality. I don't know about you, married folks, you know that in marriage, there's just so much more to lose if you fell. So much more damage that can be done to your family, to your children, to your household, to your friends. So I would challenge you today that you need to fight for purity inside your marriage as much as you fought for purity when you were single. The battle for purity starts at the altar. It doesn't end. It starts at the altar of marriage. It continues forward. The greatest battles you will fight for your purity are when you are married. And we know that God made sex for marriage. We talked about it. So I want to speak to you today about the purpose, or rather the promise of purity. I want to read you the scripture of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, chapter 7, verse 1. And I'm reading from the NIV, and it says, Now for the matters that you wrote about, it is good for a man to not have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man must have sexual, or rather should have sexual relations 
with his wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband and in the same way the husband yields his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Come on, bow your heads all across the sanctuary. Jesus, we're here just for you today. Lord, our culture tells us tons about sex. And sometimes the church avoids talking about it. But Father, as we've been talking and educating ourselves on what your word says, I pray that your word will continue to take root in us. That you would open our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, somebody say out loud, God, speak to me. And the church says amen. So Paul, in this book of Corinthians, is writing to the church that is in Corinth. And Paul is, is dealing with a lot of issues within the church. And then in chapter 7, he kind of switches gears because what Paul is doing is, is the church has sent Paul a list of questions. Corinth was a really ungodly city. It was a really sexually immoral city. I told you a couple of weeks ago, this city, Corinth, had a, a temple to the god Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was the god of intimacy, the god of sex, the god of love. And, 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 and Paul, in chapter 6, he starts talking about prostitutes to the church. He says, he says, you should not be having sex with prostitutes. And you would think that's common knowledge. But what happened was in this temple, there was a thousand prostitutes who would have sex with people as a form of worship to this God of love. And so Paul is dealing with the culture inside of Corinth that is sexually charged. He's dealing with people who have sex as a form of worship to false gods. And so Paul is now about to answer a ton of questions. And, and what happened was there was a group within this church in Corinth that began to teach that because sexual immorality was wrong, that sex itself was wrong. The devil's a liar. <laughs> Praise God. They began to tell people, well, if you're going to be righteous and you're going to be holy, you should stop having sex. With your spouses. Let alone if you were single, don't do anything. But even if you're married, you should stop. That's why Paul says, you should not just stop having intimacy with your husband or wife on your own accordance. You should, unless you have a mutual consenting thing, you can't just stop. And he gives reasons why, and I'll, I'll go into it. But, you know, some people wanted to be so deep in the church that I'm going to be so holy, I'm so set apart for God that my husband can't touch me. I'm consecrated. <laughs> oh, my wife, honey, get, get, get thee behind me, Satan. This body belongs to the Lord. <laughs> and it was like they were trying to be so deep and they were taking it so far and pause, like pump the brakes because you're all going to end up falling into sin. You're all going to end up falling into sin. This city was known for prostitution and, and moral, immoral, you know, sexually immoral corruption. It was known for all these bad things. And Paul's like, nah, we, we got to deal with this. And they began to write to Paul. And they said, Paul, should we get married? And Paul said, well, if you have to get married because you have sexual, you know, longings, then get married. 
Now, when Paul says that if you can be like him, because Paul wasn't married, he doesn't mean to consistently never get married. He means in this season of your life, if you feel strong enough to not have to get married and you won't sin sexually, then you should be single for a time. Because as he said in chapter 6, it is the single people who should move the kingdom of God forward because their interests are not divided amongst the church and their families. It's just solely for God. So there's a benefit to singlehood, but there's also a benefit to marriage. Are you with me so far? i got to lay this foundation. So Paul is answering these questions. He, he first tells them that if you can live single and not fall into sin, go for it. Not for forever, but until God brings you someone. If you're married, then go ahead. Don't divorce your spouse because you don't want to have sex with them. Don't go and make yourself single because you want to be righteous and holy before God. Don't divorce and, and do something dumb in the eyes of God that is sinful. Because you did not want to engage in sex with your spouse. Furthermore, Paul says you shouldn't rush into marriage for sex. But if you can't control yourself, then you should get married because you make the church look bad when you sin sexually. And so Paul is he's, he's saying all these things to them. But, but, but look at how Paul says it in verse 2. He says, but since sexual immorality is occurring, meaning it's already happening. This is not something that we have to worry about coming into our church. It's already happening. Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, meaning no one else, not your computer screens, with your wife. Not with some girl you met at the mall, with your wife. And every woman with her own husband. Not with some guy you met, not with your coworker, with your husband. Are you with me? And the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. Here's point number one I want to give you today. You know me, three points. Here's point number one, that purity outside of marriage is celibacy. But purity inside of marriage is intimacy. Purity outside of marriage is to abstain from sex. But purity inside of marriage is to have sex. I'll get to why in a little bit. Trust me, all the men should praise them. Somebody want to shout? I see your feet just praise them. Makes me want to shout. All right, back on track. Back on track, the women, this is not funny. Praise God. If I were to give this a subtitle, this point, I would, I would put it like this. Purity outside of marriage means closing the box, but purity inside of marriage means opening up shop. You see, what we don't realize is that to stay pure inside of marriage, it's to only long for one another. Immorality would try to come into your marriage by attracting you to something or someone else, but purity inside of marriage is to share intimacy only with your spouse. And Paul makes a clear statement. He says, since sexual immorality is happening, because it is already happening. You should stop what you're doing and you should deal with only your spouses. The city was immoral in and of itself, but also within the church, they were having a problem with sexual immorality. Are you with me today? Paul's instruction for married men and women to keep them from losing their marital purity is to engage in sexual intercourse. 
Fulfill the desires of your spouse. That's what Paul said. Fulfill their desires. For outside the marriage, we know already that sexual intimacy is sinful. It is shameful. It is wrong. It is the coming together with one of somebody who is not your called to be your husband or your wife. And we went into week two. If you weren't here, you should check the podcast. I don't have a lot of time today, but it's bad. It's forbidden in Scripture. I, I know I told you weeks ago, but many people say, well, I don't read in the Bible about premarital sex. And the reason was because they got married at 12 and 13 years old, so there wasn't really a problem with premarital sex. But in today's day and age where the, where the culture is different, there's a big problem. And we have to address it as Christians. I wish the church would say Amen. What you need to understand is that inside of your marriage, you will still be tempted, young man, young woman. Inside of your marriage, you will still be tempted. Listen, a guy's eyes, once they're married, it does not stop looking at other women unless they train it to. This is why Job said, I have trained my eyes to not look at a virgin. When you're driving down the street, fellas, you know what I'm talking about. You're married, you got to turn your head. That whole, I can look but can't touch, that's a lie too. But Jesus raised the standard. He said, if any man even lusts in his heart, he's committed adultery. You've heard it said that if you commit adultery, but Jesus said, even if you look at her with lust, that's adultery. 44 times in scripture, it talks about adultery. Why? Because God is serious about purity within marriage. You still see men and have lustful thoughts, women. No chuckles there. Hmm. You still see other men and, and, and still have thoughts. You still see women, young men, and still have thoughts. Because marriage is not the answer to your purity. God and strength by the Spirit is your true answer. And when you get married, because you're only involved with your spouse and you only have eyes for them, it'll keep you pure before God. You will still look at the television and watch TV. You will still be tempted by Satan to be turned down by people who aren't your spouse. You will still be tempted to watch bad things on television. You will still be tempted to watch pornography, young men. You will still be tempted to have an issue with masturbation. You will still be tempted while you're married. But if you would turn your affections only to your wife, purity inside of marriage is not celibacy. It is intimacy. It is intimacy. Fellas, a ring on your finger will not stop a girl from trying to kick it with you. Ladies, a, a ring on your finger makes you a trophy for a single man. It, it won't stop. And, and the little smiles and the talk back and the flirting, that's, that's adulterous in your heart. I sense a lot of wives in this direction. I got seven preach it, four amens, and three hallelujahs. What the devil? A ring don't stop nothing. If it did, there would be no adultery. But people don't care about that these days. This generation is sick. You have to realize this. That there's so much more to lose in your marriages than when you're single and when you're living by, by yourself and when you're doing your own thing. 
So although the married folks should be amening me, the young folks should be taking notes right now because you have to prepare yourself for this battle. There's a war raging. I know some of you unmarried people looking at me going crazy, but, but trust me, this, this doesn't get easier when you get married. It gets a little harder. God has to help you through it. Some of you young folks might be like, well, I thought when you get married, all you do is have sex. No, when you get married, the, the first thing to go from your schedule is sex. None of the men want to be like, amen on that part, and that's okay. I understand. When you're married and you have kids and you're bathing babies and you're doing all this stuff and you're taking them to baseball practice and to here and to there and you're taking little Maria to a recital and you're doing this and that. By the time you come home after working a full-time job and being a full-time parent, you're like, hey, honey, how was your day? Great. Okay, I'm going to sleep. Good night. Bye. I'm like, honey, wait, 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 hey, hey. No, not tonight. Okay. I got a headache. For some of you men, I'm just tired tonight. What, what the devil? Praise God. Here's the funny thing. In marriage, I want to tell you something, though. In marriage, every time, every time, every time you come together in intimacy, every time, you begin to help your spouse remain pure. Are you hearing me? You have to be intentional about fighting for your purity in your marriage. You have to be intentional about creating time for sexual contact with your spouse. You have to be intentional. I, I don't want to tell you to schedule your sex life. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is when you don't, the doors are open for Satan to come in. The doors are open for the enemy to take over. The difficult part is that sometimes in marriage, you have to understand this. Sex is more important to one than the other. Oftentimes, if there's a passive sexual abuse, maybe on the husband's part or even on the wife's part, it's hard for the other person to engage in sexual contact with their spouse. And in those times, you have to have healing and you need to be understanding because what's at risk is the foundation of your marriage and the purity of your spouse. And so you have to deal with these things very sensitively. Maybe it's hard to engage in sex because it brings back bad memories and past hurts. And this is where you need to ask God to renew your mind and heal your heart towards your spouse. And to show you that your spouse is not there to hurt you, but to help you and remain pure. For purity outside of marriage means celibacy, but purity inside of marriage is intimacy. And Paul realized that sexual sin is happening all around them. And so Paul says, take your attention off of all of that and go sleep with your husband and your wife so you will not fall into those temptations. Here's verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. And in the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Here, here's point number two. Purity outside of marriage means to fight sin, but purity inside of marriage means to give in. Let it sink in. Purity outside of marriage says, get away from me, Satan. The devil is a liar. Talking tongues through the whole now. Whatever you got to do, Paul said, run from sexual immorality. But purity inside of marriage is, okay, five minutes, bedroom, right now, let's go. 
Purity inside of marriage is giving in. And here's the reason why. Because Paul says, listen, Paul, let me, let, I must say this, that growing up in the church, it teaches you that sex is so bad that when, oftentimes when you get married, you still feel uncomfortable having sex with your spouse. And I'll prove it to you. I've done many marriages, many premarital counselings, and I've fielded numerous phone calls of young men or young women saying, Pastor, I've been married now three months and I still feel guilty having sex. And I'm like, listen, you have to understand, this is no longer sin. The devil is a liar. I rebuke any past teaching you heard in the church. Forgive me on behalf of them. This is fine. What you're doing is okay before God. It may sound crazy to some of y'all because y'all weren't built, you know, grew up in church, but people still deal with that. But inside of marriage, to be pure means to give in to your spouse's desires and sexual affections. Are you with me? So Paul states in verse 4, the woman's body is not her own, and the man's body is not his either. On the contrary, you belong to your spouse. The difficult thing here is that it's not an excuse for a man or even a wife to be sexually overbearing towards their partner. Paul's not saying be abusive sexually. You have to... You have to Make your spouse do whatever you want, whenever you want. That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul's saying is this, is that you can't just always say, no, I'm not going to have this sexual contact with you. Paul's saying, your body's not your own. It belongs to somebody else. When you said, I do, you said, I will. And so many times you, you try to, you know, keep on pushing your spouse off. But Paul's like, listen, if you want your spouse to remain pure and affectionate towards you, you have to understand your body is not your own. And every time they want to make love to you, it's not that they're trying to use you. It's they have a need. They have a a desire. Naturally, most times, men have more of a sexual drive than women. Men, this is not an excuse to abuse your wife. It's not an excuse to go do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Not every time your spouse wants to have intercourse will there be in the mood. But but you giving into their needs is you understanding that in the process you're helping them remain pure and your body is not your own. You listen, every time your spouse comes to you for affection and for sexual, you know, intimacy, you're not gonna feel like it every time. But the proper thing to do according to scripture is to give in because they have a need. Are you hearing me? Fulfilling your partner's sexual desires is the difference between them walking through life as if they're in a parking garage or a dealership. Because I go to the mall a lot with my beautiful family. I go to the mall and I park my car in the garage in the Milford Mall because I hate parking anywhere else. I don't know why. I always mostly all the time park in the garage. I go to the back, bust out my double stroller, pop the girls out, wipe out the car, putting on some last minute makeup. We walk into the mall and when I leave the mall, I look for my car. I don't go anywhere else looking for nothing else. I'm going back to recover my car. But when you're at a dealership, you go to shop for a car. What am I saying? That when you leave your spouse unprotected because you've refused them so many times sexually, your husband or your wife might look through life as if they're looking for something else rather than going back to find what is theirs. Purity inside of marriage is not about closing up shop. It's about opening shop. I'll meet your need. I won't just pay the bills. I'll meet your need, honey. 
I won't just wash the dishes and cook food. I'll meet your need, husband. I won't just do all these other things and not do this thing. I'll meet your need because I know that when I meet your need, I'm taking your attention off of everything else. Sex inside of marriage is not about saying no to sin. It's about giving in to your spouse, into the affections and the desires of your spouse. Married people having, you know, intimacy with your spouse on a consistent basis is the difference between them having that garage mentality or a dealership mentality. I wish you would understand this. On the other hand, when sexual needs are not being met, people are more likely to walk through life looking at everything that comes their way. And let me just put a disclaimer out there. There are some people who are just dogs, just perverted and need God's deliverance in their lives. There are some people who just have sexual addictions, and no matter how much you do for them, they will always look for something else. And I'm not giving nobody a a reason to go home to their husband or wife and say, that's your problem. You're just addicted. You can't be having this every day. Uh Uh-uh, you're addicted. You need Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are some people who you can have intercourse with your wife and then go watch porn right afterwards because you're not satisfied. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's a deep-seated issue in your soul. Your body is not your own. This doesn't mean to take advantage of somebody, of your spouse. It does not mean that you can demand intimacy in an ungodly way that rises your, your spouse to anger. But it does mean that you need to make a conscious effort to not make bad excuses to not engage with your spouse in intercourse. Are you hearing me? Well, pastor, my husband upset me, or my wife, she doesn't get it. I don't, I'm just, I don't care. I'm not going to. Let me tell you something. There are other people out there who would that quickly meet the need of your spouse in a very ungodly way. And I'm not saying your spouse is that kind of person, but the temptation is out there. And you have to make sure that you're doing everything in your power to remain pure before God, even with your spouse in marriage. See, purity outside of marriage is saying no, (laughs) no. But inside of marriage, purity is really about giving in and saying, if I'm going to remain sexually free from sin, then it means that I have to have sex in the right capacity with my spouse. Are you with me? He said that because Paul is saying all this because there was rampant sexual sin all around them. But he understood that inside of marriage, when you, when you say yes, it is helping your spouse stay pure. Here's my third point, my favorite point. I really promise you it's my favorite point. Here's verse 5. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So I know people are really happy. Some of you are not happy because I'm telling you to have sex with your spouse. <laughs> Some of you are really happy. You're like, well, why should I do it? He annoys me. She annoys me. They don't get it. They don't deserve it. Sex isn't a deserving thing. If it was based on, on what we deserve, then, you know, that's a terrible thing. You don't earn sex. It's not a merit system. It's not something to manipulate somebody with. It's not, honey, you got three stars today. You know what that means. Hey! No, it's not a merit system. And a lot of people treat it like that. Well, he didn't deserve it today. What? Well, she didn't 
do everything I needed, so no, she ain't, no, no. Here's the third point, and this is really my favorite, and this is the truth. This is the promise of purity. So now you're saying to me, well, pastor, you said all that. What is the promise of purity? What is the promise that I have from God when I stay pure before God in my marriage? What is the promise? Don't you want to know the promise of purity? Here's, here's point number three. The promise of purity is protection. Sounds crazy, right? The promise of purity is protection. This is the ultimate promise of you staying pure before God with your spouse. I'm going to read the verse to you again. Do not deprive each other, meaning do not withhold sex from one another, unless you mutually consent for a time, not for all time, praise God, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Paul's saying this, if you want to take some time and, and fast and pray and not engage in sex, that's fine, but just do it mutually. Your husband or your wife have to agree, have to agree. And then he says, only for a small time. Then come together again. Why? So that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The ultimate promise of purity is protection. You see, in verse 2, Paul, by telling us to engage in sex as married couples because there was sexual sin all around. And then in verse 5, he's saying, why you should do this? Because there is temptation all around you. And when you engage in intimacy with your husband or your wife, you protect them. You protect them because now you fulfill their desires. I put it to you like this. When you go out to eat at a restaurant before you visit a family member, and every time if you're Puerto Rican and you go to somebody's house, they want to feed you. Amen? But you're fooled because you already ate, and you don't want to be rude, but you have to refuse them because if you take one more spoonful, something's coming out. You're fooled. And so, and so you have to understand that when you fulfill the appetite and the desire of your spouse, they will not desire anything else. But if you continue to turn them away from intimacy, other people and other things like pornography and women and men will come their way and they are unprotected because husband or wife have not left you with a full plate. And so the promise of purity is protection. Let me tell you something, that sex is a legitimate need before God. He knows that your body, you have a legitimate need for sex. Most sin is a legitimate need being fulfilled in an illegitimate manner. Most sin is a legitimate need being fulfilled in an illegitimate manner. But here's what Paul says, Satan will come to tempt you. But if you are engaging in sex with your spouse, that temptation will not work on them because they've already fulfilled that desire. They've already done the thing which their heart craves for. He's saying, you will leave your spouse protected. Young lady, if you want to keep on being mad at your husband and not engaging because he doesn't deserve it, some other girl will creep into your place. And I'm not saying he's right for doing it, but don't leave him unprotected. Young man, you have to give in to the affections of your wife. Old men too, praise God. Because if not, you leave your spouse unprotected. You leave them open to temptation because Paul says clearly the way to deal with temptation is to come together again. Come together again so that you're not tempted. This is not an excuse as to why some of you men are addicted to pornography. It's not an excuse as to why some of you women have lustful hearts. 
But what I'm telling you is this, is the word of God is clear, is that when you stay pure before God by engaging in intimate actions with your spouse, you leave them protected because you fulfill their desires. You protect the mind of your husband or your wife. You cover them. Next day, they're going, they're going to work, and they don't care about Susie in cubicle four. <laughs> because my wife laid it down last night. Took care of business. You're not, my husband, he treated me good. I'm not worried about nobody else. Now, he doesn't, he pays the bills, and he takes care of the bed. What else could I ask for? You leave them protected. It sounds funny. It sounds crazy. But every married person knows it's true. You leave them protected before God. And when Satan tries to come, and he tries to come with, with temptation from this person, from that person. Oh, no, you can't. You, ain't, you, you didn't even look as good as my wife, and I bet you can't do anything like her. Please. You have to understand this. You offer protection to your spouse. Not for nothing. All of you fellas should be really happy. I gave you another line. I gave you another line. Honey, I need protection tonight. Praise God. Protect me. I feel vulnerable. But here's the truth. It's funny, but here's the truth. Here's the, here's the truth is that when you follow God's plan for sex and you lay with your husband or your wife, when you do that, you shield them from temptation. You fulfill a desire, a craving, a need. And if the desire is full, and their appetite is appeased. When some girl who thinks she's cute to wear short skirts walks by, your husband gonna look at her like she's crazy. When some guy who has no respect for married women walks by and tries to kick it to your wife, she's gonna look at him like he's crazy because my husband takes care of me. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He takes care of me. Paul was concerned that if couples didn't have sex, they would fall into adultery. Over 40 times in scripture, adultery is mentioned because it was a big problem back then. The promise of purity is protection. You protect your husband and your wife when you meet their needs. You protect them. Purity offers protection, emotional security, because your wife don't got to worry about anything because she knows that she's taking care of you. Your husband don't got to worry if you're going to walk out on him because he knows he's taking care of you. You offer emotional and mental stability to your husband and protection in their mind because they know that their needs are being met and so are yours. You offer them protection. The problem with, with sexual sin, I'm telling you, is that it's a legitimate need. It's just being fulfilled in an illegitimate manner. Sexual sin is often, you know, godly desires being fulfilled in ungodly ways. And how do you protect your spouse? How do you protect your husband from being hooked by, by porn addictions or being hooked by a lustful spirit or being hooked by all these things? How do you protect your spouse, your husband, or your wife from that? How do you do that? You engage intimately with them. To fulfill their appetite, fulfill their desires, so that in the end, Satan cannot come against them because he's coming to a full vessel. You can't pour into a full vessel. It's already full. 
Is it foolproof? No, there's times where there will still be adultery. Satan will still get in sometime. But I'm telling you that if you do this, you have a fighting chance in this world. More than a fighting chance. If If you follow God's plan in your marriage for sex, Sex is not something that's earned. It's not a marriage system. It's not none of that. It's not when it feels all right, when the time It is because you are protecting your spouse. Protect their hearts. Protect their minds. Every time you say no because you're angry or because you want to have a tired excuse, every time you leave your spouse unprotected. I wish you would understand. And there's so many men who are married in this room who are inside. They're saying, Pastor, this is so true. And I know it's hard to even say it because your spouse might be sitting next to you. And I'm not trying to make a funny joke out of that. It's the truth. That when you do that, when you engage and you fulfill their need, that you will empower them to say no to the works of Satan in their lives. You will empower your wife to say no to the works of Satan in their lives. Can I tell you something? If you don't feed their appetite, Satan will. Culture will. The TV will find some way to tempt or to make a lustful thought come to your hearts, to your spouse's life. Purity inside of marriage promises us protection. It promises that because you're engaging in what God told you to do, that because you're doing that, you protect your spouse sexually, mentally, and emotionally. Because they're secure in the knowledge that you won't have a desire because they've met the need. Sadly, for many Christian couples, sex is used as a tool for manipulation. Sadly, sex for many isn't a priority in your marriage. And I'm not telling you that you should be every day just, you know, jackrabbits. That's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying to you is that when you fail to be intentional about intimacy, you are opening the doors wide for temptation and leaving yourself unprotected. Can I tell you something? Don't leave your husband or your wife uncovered any longer. Don't leave them with the enemy opening the doors. Don't leave them like that. Protect them by engaging with them and doing what God has proportioned for us to do. I know that lustful thoughts will still come, but your husband will be more armed to throw them down by the word of God. Your wife will be more armed by saying, no, 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 I'm not falling into that trap. I have a husband and you need to respect him. No woos there. Mm -hmm. Praise God. The promise of purity is protection, I'm telling you. The promise of purity is protection. See, you can't treat sex as an option in your marriage any longer. Because in this society that we live in, lustful thoughts will carry your spouse away. Lustful desires will carry them away. And Satan will love nothing else than to tear your marriages apart because you couldn't come together as one in intimacy. And then after the first infidelity, now you have a real reason not to be intimate. Don't create that in your marriages. That may sound crazy. The pastor told me to, to, to engage with my husband, my wife. But I'm telling you, it's protect your marriage. 
build a hedge around you. That when the enemy comes in, because you've been meeting your needs, Paul said in verse 2, because sexual immorality is happening around you, do you know how easy it is for your spouse to fall into addictions to pornography? To all you single people, if you don't deal with that stuff now, you will deal with it later. Do you know how easy it is for your spouse, both male and female, to be addicted to masturbation? Do you know how easy it is? But that's not what God called us to do. He called one another to meet the needs of each other so that you would not leave them uncovered and that you would leave them in a mindset that is protected because you have done what God told us to do. What did Paul say? Because, so that, so that, so that you don't fall into the temptation because you lack self-control. Because he doesn't want us to fall into that temptation. Because of those temptations, those sexually immoral temptations, he's basically saying, if you don't come together, temptation might overcome you. It might overtake you. So what's the solution? Intimacy in your marriage. Intimacy with your spouse. My heart's desire for you today and my prayer for all you married people is that God brings restoration where it's needed. That God opens your hearts, opens your eyes and say, listen, if you want your marriage to be even healthier, then you need to understand that there is a real enemy. Sometimes we forget that we're in a war. And we war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness and high places. We wrestle against demons that, that have spent thousands of years making people fall into sexual sin. It's, they're not newbies at this. They, they can do it like this if they so desire. But the thing is, is when you are with your husband and your wife, you protect them are you hearing me church purity inside of marriage is not celibacy it's intimacy purity inside of marriage is not fighting sin it means giving in and the promise of purity is that you will leave your spouse protected because you've met their needs and fulfilled their desires are you hearing me church Come on, let's stand up today as we prepare to leave this place. I know that there's many married people here today, many who are not married, who should understand that what you face when you get married doesn't get easier. Sometimes it just gets a little harder. But here's the thing. My prayer over you today is that God confronts every wrong mindset you have about sex in your marriage. That God confronts every work of the enemy in your life. That God confronts every lying spirit in your marriages. Because his desire, the enemy's desire is nothing else than to break up your relationship that honors God. He hates the fact that you're married. Satan hates marriage. It's bad enough that he hates you because you said yes the way God desired it. But you make it easier for your marriage to fall apart when you say no to what God has called us to do. And I know it's hard. It's hard. Some of you are dealing with with scars from sexual abuse. Some of you are dealing with addictions to sex. It's, It's unhealthy in your marriage. You don't know where to find a common ground. My prayer today over every single heart and mind is that God brings a healing to you today.
that God brings an openness to what he's trying to tell you today. Many marriages fall apart because of sex. Many. But my prayer is that yours would never fall apart on account of sex. But that God will help you and guide you and protect you all the days of your marriage. Amen. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're married and your spouse is next to you, your spouse is by you, would you just grab their hand? Maybe you want to hug them or something. Whatever you want to do, just keep it PG. Praise God. For all you single people, don't look around hating on people. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. Bunch of haters like, "Mm, these people. Mm." Who hugging around me? Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. Come on, bow your heads, bow your heads. Come on, bow your heads, bow your heads. Father, you see every single marriage. And you know every single couple that needs some real healing in their hearts today. Needs some real healing in their minds today. Lord, we'd be lying if we did not say that the vast majority of couples today struggle in these areas. And it may seem crazy, it may sound crazy, but Father, we need you to start a healing process. We need you to open our eyes, Father God. We need you to start working on behalf of your people, God, because we want to we do what Paul said and run from sexual immorality, God. We know what you've called us to do and not to do, God. So, Father, will you, bring, will you bring healing to every single heart? I sense even now that there are women who have been abused and, and intimacy is hard for you. I pray healing over your minds right now. Father, renew them in Jesus' name. Lord, the memories won't go away, but Father, the pain, heal the hurt in Jesus' name. Heal the lies in Jesus' name. Father, we come before you right now that you would open the hearts of the husbands. You would open the hearts of the wives, Father, that no weapon formed against these marriages shall prosper on account of some sexual immorality. But Father, that you would raise up a generation of people who are chasing after your spirit, who are pursuing you in their marriages, men who are men of God, leading their families, and women who are following their husbands, Father God, in the will of God for their marriages. We pray now, God, that you begin to minister to every single couple in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Here's what I want to do. I want to take the next 60 seconds. And if you're married, I want you right where you're at. Find your husband or your spouse. I got you, baby. I see you. Got the matching shoes on, girl. You better work it. (laughs) I want you to pray with your spouse. As the band plays, I want you just to pray with them. We have a single guy singing. Don't worry. We're going to pray with them. And if you're single, I want you to pray that God protects your heart. That God protects your mind. We've been talking.